your mental health hour. Mind Matters on the Light Breakfast. On Mind Matters, we've got Dr. Philip George, consultant psychiatrist from IMU. Good morning, Dr. Philip. Good morning, Shaz. Well, it looks like uh, if you're a fast mover, you are deemed to be uh, of healthier mind. Academics from Duke University <laughs> actually did a study and they found that slower walkers were shown to have accelerated aging and their lungs, teeth and immune system tended to be in worse shape. This is interesting. I mean, what? Is. how does having an active lifestyle help with your mental health? Well, you know, this research is quite new. I, I'm surprised that they came up with these results. But they actually followed up 900 people in New Zealand uh, for years from, from the ages of toddler right until the age of 45. And they showed that people who walk faster seem to have better outcomes physically, mentally, and also in terms of aging. And those who had slower gait seem to have poorer health and seem to age faster as well. In fact, you know, MRI of these subjects showed that slow walkers at 45 had smaller brain volumes. Their brains were shrinking. (laughs) (laughs) That's not good. I know. What is the correlation, though, between moving fast and your better mental health? I think what they're suggesting, they have a few hypotheses, and one of them is that maybe slow gait is uh, associated with accelerated aging uh, and deterioration in multiple organs, uh, smaller brain volumes, Um, And so they also looked at performances on cognitive tests and they found that, you know, well, one is you have shared connections in the brain and the body in terms of gait. Mm. So, you know, when you walk faster, you actually stimulate your brain a little bit more. And of course, better brain health is linked to maybe more healthy diet, more physical activity. People, you know, have who have more brain health uh, will think about their health and right. work on it as well. And they're more chirgas. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's uh, what my PE teacher says. Yeah, move faster, <laughs> chigasike, chigasike. Yeah. But But, you know, this study was done in a in a temperate climate and people <laughs> yeah. in temperate climates always walk fast. They want to get away from the cold, they, you know. Right. And I think it's useful to look at it maybe done in a, you know, an Asian mm-hmm. uh, culture and climate as well. All right. Well, it's definitely an interesting study. So if you're, you find you're a slow mover, maybe speed up a little bit <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> for your mental health. Yeah. Now, coming up, what matters for women at work and what are some of the consequences for mothers who go back to the workforce before they're ready That's something Dr. Philip will address next after Robbie Williams. This is Feel on Light. And it's Mind Matters, and with me this week is Dr. Philip George, consultant psychiatrist at IMU. Dr. Philip, um, children apparently are the biggest competition for any organization. I mean, you can't compete with work and, and, and I guess, parenting. Mm-hmm. Most children will come first, at least uh, where mothers are concerned. How does a 90-day maternity leave actually help with postpartum recovery? Well, you know, the first few months of a baby's life is actually critical. The mother needs to bond with the newborn and that's in the first few months. Uh, So typically in my practice, when mothers go through postpartum depression, that bonding gets affected. And that's why it's sometimes considered that it's a medical emergency and we need to consider electroconvulsive therapy that actually helps mothers get better faster and quicker so that they can continue their bonding. Also, mothers need to recuperate from childbirth. Mm. That's a major thing. And, you know, it's a new life that they have to get adjusted to. And breastfeeding is essential because babies will thrive. And it's useful in building that bonding as well. And that's usually at least for first three to six months minimum. 
And, you know, so things like postpartum depression can be triggered by not having sufficient maternity leave. In fact, this has been studied. Uh, so I think it's only common to actually have maternity leave to help prevent these outcomes as well. All right. Then what are the, I guess, mental health consequences for mothers who uh, go back to work before they are, I guess, mentally, physically, emotionally ready? Yeah, well, the first most important consequence is poor bonding. And it can interfere with the child's development. Mm -hmm. Um, Of course, there can be poor work efficiency. So mothers who are forced to get back to work early are going to feel less you know, you know, their morale is going to be low. They're going to be less productive. There's definitely an increased risk of postpartum depression. Right. Um, and they start to, you know, maybe have a low commitment to their work because mm. they're worried about their baby. Yeah. And, you know, so I, I think it's it's really important for companies to think that if they want an efficient workforce, that they need to provide this yeah. uh, so that mothers can actually, you know, get back to being as, as efficient as they were. Yeah. And it's just three months or even four if you're going to really, you know, give us that time. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's not like we're sitting at home eating bonbons, okay? <laughs> we're not. Well, I think potentially. Maternal maternity leave is important as well because, Mm -hmm. you know, husbands need to be involved and support. All right. Well, when we come back, uh, a permanent leave uh, sometimes happens for staff when a company goes down, which is what happened with Utusan. We'll take a look at that after the traffic update and Firehouse, I Live My Life For You on Light. This is Light Breakfast with Shaz, and uh, with me this morning is Dr. Philip George for Mind Matters, consultant psychiatrist from IMU. Well, Dr. Philip, we all know that the fate that befell Utusan Melayu Berhad um, to, you know, I guess, close shop and leave, mm-hmm. uh, you know, hundreds of their employees without any occupation is a sad and tragic case. What are some of the psychological impacts for those who are retrenched and do not have jobs? under these kinds of circumstances. Yeah, so actually this can have a dire and far-reaching consequence when we're laid off and we don't have something else to transition to. So I think the important thing, you know, in any work is always have a plan B, you know, because you never know when things will get a little different and difficult. And, you know, when you're prepared, uh, then it becomes easier to transition and move. But it can definitely have a huge psychosocial impact. It can affect finances, commitment, uh, especially if we don't have savings. It can put a strain on relationships. Uh, Mm -hmm. Stress levels can increase between spouses, and that can definitely spill over to kids. Depression, anxiety, increased somatic symptoms like headaches, fatigue, or even physical illnesses because your immune system can actually get worse. Uh, But it seems to be worse in men than in women. And that may be because they're socialized to evaluate their self-worth in terms of career and financial issues. Right. And what about ourselves? If we find ourselves in this situation, how can we motivate ourselves to go forward? Being laid off from work can be a huge life stressor. And we often develop a grief reaction. Losing a job is just like losing Mm. something that you love in your life. And so you can have shock and disbelief. And then after that, uh, it can be yearning and pining. And then on to anxiety and depression. And finally, some resolution. But I think what we can do is maybe give ourselves time to adjust. Think of it as a temporary setback. Express, you know, your feelings in a creative way. Maybe write a journal exercise or, you know, find a hobby, but essentially keep active and reach out to others so that you can stay strong. And this can be friends and family, 
you know, you want to spend time maybe helping a family member or do something together with someone else. Because very often when you're involved in communities, they can identify maybe opportunities for you as well. I think the other important thing is maybe looking at volunteering, you know, maybe keeping yourself busy and then developing a sense of value and purpose as well. All right. And speaking of moving on, the fishermen affected by the Penang South Reclamation Project will take a look at what are the mental health implications for those being uprooted from their homes after the bangles. Here's Manic Monday on Light. And on Mind Matters with me this morning, Dr. Philip George, consultant psychiatrist from IMU. And it looks like the Penang South Reclamation Project will uh, have to dislocate fishermen from the areas. They'll be uprooted from the home that they've known all this while. Dr. Philip, what are the mental health implications for those being uprooted from their homes? And I guess this would apply as well to refugees and economic refugees as yeah, well. Absolutely. Well, most people actually develop what's known as a place attachment. And that's to their home, to their local area, to their community. It's usually linked with positive health and community participation. Now, when they're uprooted or when there's a threat of losing this, it can lead to a huge sense of grief. And, you know, that same stages that we spoke about earlier, shock, disbelief, Mm -hmm. yearning and pining and anxiety and depression. But finally, perhaps some resolution when it does happen but they need the support during this period if this has to go on. And I think people need to understand that, you know, psychologically it can have a huge impact. Even financially it can have a oh, huge absolutely, impact. absolutely, yeah. Now coming up, migrants in Malaysia, especially from third world countries, endure long working hours and bad work conditions. How will this affect their mental health? We'll be discussing that after the traffic update and Annie Lennox. No more I love yous. Here on Light. And on Mind Matters with me this week is Dr. Philip George, consultant psychiatrist from IMU. Migrants in Malaysia, especially from third world countries, endure long working hours and bad work conditions. How does this affect their mental health, Dr. Philip? Yeah, so actually in the past, there was this terminology called migrant psychosis. And that was because we saw a huge number of people with uh, uh, who were migrants Uh, who develop serious mental health problems. And there are many factors for this. One is, of course, they come from places where they may have experienced trauma and torture. The travel, the journey to get to some of these places, like, you know, some of them go through Thailand and tortured and all that through Mm -hmm. that whole journey, uh, that itself can have a huge impact on them. And, of course, the circumstances eventually in the host country. So, you know, sometimes they need to hide and take up jobs that are in the informal sector, where there's no checks and balances. Yes. And this has a huge impact on them. Right. So, Dr. Philip, we're, we're still fighting to improve the quality of life for refugees in Malaysia. Have we a long way to go to improve mental health issues amongst refugees? Oh, absolutely. The problem with uh, refugees in Malaysia is they don't get uh, access to health care as uh, easily as the citizens would. So when they turn up to government hospitals, they need to pay, and that can be premium costs. Mm. Uh, the UNHCR uh, and some other NGOs like ACTS in Brickfields and also the uh, Medicines Frontier, they run clinics for uh, migrants, um, both physical health and psychological health. I run a clinic and I see migrants as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, you know, they, they don't pay consultation. But uh, <clears throat> but the problem is, you know, even getting transport to come see me yes. is a challenge for them. 
but yeah, mental health issues among them are serious and you know, very epidemic as well. Well, how do you think the government can um, address this? I think, you know, if we can actually recognize them as uh, legal migrants uh, in Malaysia until they get to a third country and during that time actually provide them with education, support and healthcare mm-hmm. at costs that are m- minimal. I think that will definitely help them. Well, Dr. Philip, it's been uh, a joy as usual every other week <laughs> yes. having you here. Thank you so much. Thank you, Shaz. And another big joy of my life every morning is to play you your relaxing favorite requests. So do send those in to us via our DG Lightline at 16510 and I'll play them for you next here on Light.